And welcome to Mythal Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. And Lizzie, who else is here today? Yeah, so today we are joined by a very special guest who is my friend and roommate who I've mentioned a few times here and there. Our celebrity the podcast. guest star. Yes, Kathy. Hello. Hi. <laughs> And today, it's going to be a few days before St. Patrick's Day, Mm -hmm. and uh, Kathy, you are Irish. Extremely so, yes. And so (laughs) we thought we'd talk about an Irish lady today. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we begin, um, Zoe, how are you? Ooh, I am all right. It's, I mean, I had this big project due this week, so I was like working on that like crazy, Um, very very intense stuff but I finished that so that's good I have spring break in a little over a week I'm very excited for that oh that's crazy. and yeah it's March. Um, yeah it is crazy it's March <laughs> um almost done like halfway th- three-fourths of the way through my sophomore year of college which is crazy um but that yeah. is crazy yeah that's so exciting yeah it is exciting how are you two doing um I'm fine I my family just moved we were living in this house for eight, well, not me, obviously, I'm not there right now, but for eight years, so that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Is it a nice house, the new one? Yeah, it's very nice. Do you have a room in it? I have a place where I can sleep, but it's not, like, my room. Uh-huh. Actually, okay. I don't really know what the arrangements are, but yeah. anyway. Kathy, how are you? I'm good. Um, I am about to start a new job on Monday, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very the- exciting. A full-time professional copywriter, which is pretty <gasps> sick. Yeah. So cool. um, I'm really excited because, like, I've always been a very wordy person. I love a good chat, yeah. as you'll see in the coming minutes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm excited to make that, like, my full-time job and the company's And really... quit your service job. And quit yeah. my service job. I'm really excited to be able to sit in a chair for eight hours a day instead of walk around for eight <laughs> hours a day. I love that. It'll That's be good because so nice. Kathy's body is falling apart. Now, literally like she... falling to pieces first it was my knee that hurt then it was my lower back and then it was the hip now it's the hip mm. on the other side mm. and yeah everything's just yeah. slowly crumbling <laughs> perfect timing to have a yeah. desk job yeah but it's great i'm in i'm in peak peak mental well i'm i'm doing okay <laughs> i think you're doing good thank you thank you so much so who are we talking about today well in honor of the feast of saint patrick which gets a lot of attention all over the world we're throwing mm-hmm. it back to pre-christian ireland in fact to yes. the very beginning of the idea of ireland uh the name ireland comes from the country's sort of matron goddess eru um who represents ireland in the form of a woman so it's like ireland personified Ooh. um so the, the name of the country comes from her name and the old germanic word land you know quite common for a country to be called land um yes linguistically speaking because you know me and lizzie are both linguists um Mm -hmm. eru took on the literal meaning of like fat but in a more sort of poetic you know 
less literal sense. Exactly. Abundant was the word that was Mm -hmm. used a lot in the in the literature I found. So the idea then is that Ireland is the land of abundance. Wow. Which is true. We have a lot of stuff. (laughs) Or at least or at least we did until the famine. Yeah. But that's a that's a topic for later on. That's that's true. (laughs) Yes. And Um, Ireland in Irish is era. Exactly. So that's the modern Mm -hmm. sort of connotation of the name, um, which is what you'd see on like official government documents and coins and your passport and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, the dative form of era is Erin, which is where we get oh, the name Erin yes. from. Oh. So shout out, shout out to anyone called Erin who's listening. <laughs> You're great, <Hi>. automatically. <laughs> um, it's also found in the phrase Erin Gobra, which is like a really um, common thing you'd hear at like um, sports games and stuff. Um, oh. It's sort of like the Irish version of Vive la France. It's like Ireland forever, kind of like, right. come on, Ireland. Oh. Yeah, That's really nice. cool. Um, but yeah, into the story of who Eru was and what she did to get this great honour of being the namesake of Ireland. Um, so she was one of three sisters back in the pre-Christian pagan Irish days. Uh, the two other sisters were Banba and Fola. I, we should probably put the spellings of all of these in the yeah, notes yeah. of the episode because like, oh, yeah, no, they're either. all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, And that's interesting because also... Bridget was also a triple goddess. She also had like... Yes. There's a lot of triple goddesses. Triple goddesses in, feature in so Irish heavily folk. in Irish mythology. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. The, yeah. the two sisters were also matron goddesses, but they weren't as big as Eru. Um, and their story is often seen through the lens of a... Um, Sovereignty goddesses. I mean, you guys probably know so much more about this than I do, but um, I'm not sure if you've talked about it before on the pod. But um, a little, little bit ish. A little bit, yeah. What I found out because I didn't know this either before I started looking into it was that sovereignty goddesses are goddesses who like personify a certain land or area, mm-hmm. and that if mm-hmm. someone marries them or sleeps with them, they become like the king or the ruler or whatever of that land. Oh, so is that how like kings are? appointed or is it more of a mythological yeah it's kind of Mm. it's a bit of both i mean it's sort of a symbolic representation of the king taking on the the task of ruling the land like they take the bride who personifies the land ergo they're taking Mm. on the land um this yeah this this kind of trope actually features really heavily in celtic mythology in general but it's not really seen in um like the mythology from a lot of other countries it's kind of like our thing yeah like i was thinking that like for example matrasu in japan her yeah. thing is mm-hmm. that like all of the emperors are descended from her mm-hmm. so like so it's interesting that for eru they're married to her yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the her. yeah of the divine right of kings and that like all rulers oh, are yeah, yeah. descended from gods or chosen specifically by god um but it's a yeah. little different which is interesting Mm-hmm. But I mean, that kind of concept had to come from somewhere. So maybe mm-hmm. that's where it originated. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. So the other three like super famous uh, trio of goddesses in Irish mythology are kind of collectively known as the Morrigan. Um, they're allegedly the sisters of the three sisters, Eru, Banba and Fola. Um, mm-hmm. And they are, like I said, super unclear who actually is the Morrigan because sometimes it's attributed to all three of them. Sometimes it's only one of them, but those three are uh, Bibe, Maka, and Anon. 
And they were goddesses of like war and fate, basically deciding who gets to live and die in battle. So kind of morbid, but also pretty cool. I find that that's very Celtic sounding to me. Right? Like, you know, going into battle, you pray to the goddesses and they're represented by like um, either a crow or a raven and uh, horses. Ah. So very much like battlefield kind of vibes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so going back to our original trio, which is Eru, Bamba and Fola, uh, they were daughters of Delbaith or Delboth and Ernmas. This is like really old Irish and I'm used to more modern Irish. So this is hard for me to even get my head around. But bear with me. Um, though I mean, They were all fair. I could be saying anything and you guys would just have to believe it's me. It's true. I wouldn't yeah, know. I don't know true. idea. <laughs> so they were all members of the Tuha de Donan, um, who were mm-hmm. a supernatural people in Irish mythology. You seem like you know about them a little bit. Do they well, come you, up when you you're told- talking about Bridget? Yeah. yeah. You pronounced them for me i did i did yeah now i have to get them right god the pressure um (laughs) but yeah so they were people way back when they were sort of like a primordial god um exactly yeah they were like the i think they were the second round of settlers in ireland but they sort of came from the other world rather than Mm. you know coming from another country um Mm. It's really cool. Their name means the people of Danu, and Danu was the sort of mother of Irish gods, sort of like uh, Gaia in Greek mythology. Yeah. Like the, the OG god goddess mm-hmm. woman. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the little fun mother. fact there. The... the Earth Mother, yeah. So she was the Ireland Mother. Oh. So the three sisters, Eru, Fola, and Bamba, they were married off to grandsons of the Dagda, who was the kind of head deity of ancient Ireland, sort of like Zeus in Greek mythology, uh, mm-hmm. like the head of the two who Yeah, they were, I'll give it like a little bit of background because Irish mythology is really cool and I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. So they lived in the other world, which is similar to like the concept of the underworld, but less like death, more just sort of spirit world. Okay. Um, but they came out a lot to mingle with humans in the human world. So was it um, conceived as being below the human world? Not really. It was more just sort of different dimension. Interesting. You know, it wasn't like if you dug a hole into the ground, you'd hit the other world. It was more like you go But it also wasn't conceived as like above, which I feel like is common. It was more like you would go through a portal into it. Very Mm, like spooky. That's why a lot of... um, structures natural structures like fairy rings and yeah you know mm-hmm. creepy intertwined trees they're like super big in ireland of being like you know you'd be very superstitious of those because you wouldn't want to let the the spirits from the other world into the human world because mm. they yeah, they yeah. mess things up a lot yeah speaking of that's actually where we get the origin of the festival of Samhain, which is kind of like the precursor to halloween mm. uh when mm-hmm. the gates between the two worlds opens and the spirits from the other world could kind of come in and roam freely in our world and yeah they they mess a lot of stuff up but then the day after would be all saints day when the the nice spirits would come and fix everything oh that's mm-hmm. so nice yeah anyway back to eru because you know me i love tangents and sidetracking um yeah. yes so she was married to a guy called mcgrana whose name means son of the sun that's s-o-n of the s-u-n um, if we look back 
to the concept of sovereignty goddesses mentioned before, it kind of makes sense that the land of Ireland, in this case Eru, would be married to the sun. I mean, not if you've yeah. ever been to Ireland, because all it does is rain. <laughs> we don't get any sun. But, but like, um, as we were kind of talking about, like, in a previous episode, like, if, it, if you're yeah. from a place that's cold, the sun is going to be, like, really holy to you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the Celts were such, like, heavy sun-worshipping pagans. Like, they depended on it so heavily for all their crops. They were like, yes, we love the sun. Mm-hmm. Wish it came around some more. And it would be seen as, like, very, very special. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then it also kind of, like, ties into how Ireland is always seen as this, like, beautiful, green, prosperous, mm-hmm. sunny place, even though it's just not. I mean, it's green, but mm-hmm. that's from all the rain. <laughs> yeah, so our girl Eru was married to Macrena, but she's also said to have had some affairs. Uh, one with okay. a Fomorian, which is kind of another tribe uh, named, I know, a very like Romeo and Juliet kind of story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so this Fomorian was named Alatha, Elatha, something like that, um, with whom she had a son, Brest. Uh, he went on to become one of the high kings of Ireland. So he oh. was well up there, yeah. And then another affair she had was with a really famous hero, Lou. He's actually a figure that's seen in a lot of ancient mythologies across Europe. So it's very like oh. intertwined. It's really cool. Does he have the um, same name throughout? I think different versions of the same name. Like L-U. It's L-U-G-H in Irish. But it might mm. be like, you know, something else in other languages. Mm. Um. So yeah, Eru's like... A little bit promiscuous, but go on, girl, get your bit. You do you. And sorry, compose myself. This always happens. I'm like on a big long tangent and then I hit a Are you thinking pause. about how Irish women are promiscuous? I mean, I'm thinking about how I'm promiscuous and an Irish woman. <laughs> um, so yeah, the two of the Donna as a, as a whole, like as a whole clan, um, they fought a lot of battles to lay claim to Ireland first mm. against the natives who were living there, the Fear Bulb. They were like the original settlers of Ireland. Um, if you're looking at it from like a um, anthropological point of view, they were the ones who probably like actually came from Africa, the like OG settlers. Mm. Um, then came the Tuhadidonan. Then was the Fomorians, so the tribe that Eru had the affair with when the guy is from. Um, they sort of are generally seen as a more evil-spirited clan in mythology. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. I couldn't find any, like, logic to why they are more looked down on. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why. Um, and then, finally, the last sort of big battle they fought was against the Milesians. And this is where Eru comes into play. Oh. Yeah. So the uh, Milesians were a wave of Celts from the northern Iberian Peninsula. So like up the north of Spain um, mm. and top of Portugal um, from Galicia, where mm. or that's why we have um, in Irish, the word for Irish is Gaelga. It all ties into that because, oh. yeah, super interestingly, they brought the language with them. So Irish originated from Spain. <laughs> I never thought about how the the country name Ireland and the language name Irish don't sound anything related. Right? Totally yeah. different. And the Milesians were descended from a guy called Miel Espana, uh, which is where we get the name Milesians from. Um, mm. But now the name for 
Spain in Irish is Spawn. So Ooh. possibly the name for Spain came from his name. I didn't do that in-depth of a search into the history of Spain because that would have been like a whole other episode, oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I could have, like, call me back for next week, but yeah. <laughs> not this time. Yeah, so the Milesians eventually became the final settlers of Ireland after a very hard-fought battle. They're the ones who we now say, like, the people of Ireland currently are descendant from the Milesians. So I'm a Milesian. I'm basically Spanish. Nice. Why am I so pale? <laughs> um, but the hard-fought battle is where Eru and her sisters come in. So when the Milesians came to Ireland, the three sisters sort of stood very firm against them because um, they were also like brave warrior women, not just, you know, nice. little maidens. Um, and <laughs> they, that. right, strong female independent women. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, they demanded that the Milesians leave. And they said no. And they're like, right, well, here we go. Um, Eru was particularly bold against them. And when she was confronted by one of their leaders, uh, who was called Don MacMild, or Millid, I'm not quite sure. She um, sentenced him to death, is the way it's literally translated from the from the folklore. But okay. what, we, what we'd interpreted that as uh, is she put a curse on him. So she's kind of like okay. witchy as well. A little bit cool. Ooh, that's that's um, very fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the two of the Dawnen were also, they were sometimes said to be gods, sometimes said to be like fallen angels, sometimes said to be just humans with like magical powers. Mm-hmm. So no one's really sure what they did, but they mm-hmm. did curse people. Yeah. So it was like, he, she, he was cursed rather than like, you know, she didn't just sentence him to death, the guillotine that hadn't been invented yet. Um, but Mac Millet actually drowned very shortly after. So people kind of oh, got a little bit okay. scared of Eru then. They were like, oh God, this girl's for real. Like she can actually, <laughs> she can actually do stuff. That um, sounds awesome. Right? <laughs> She's such a badass. Um, but sadly, even after this awesome power play, the two of the Dawn knew that they would be beaten by the Milesians because the Milesians were just much more powerful than they were. Um, mm-hmm. and they slowly started to fall back and retreat to the other world to live out their days there. Uh, they were just going to kind of chill in peace. Um, but the three sisters, they wouldn't go quite so easily. They were a little bit stubborn in that regard, which we respect. And they mm-hmm. insisted that their legacy be remembered. You know, they wanted their, their credit, credit where credit is due. Um, so they each stood on top of their favorite mountain, and they called out to the Milesians and then they begged that the land that they loved so much would bear their names so that they could kind of live on through it, oh, which I think is really wow. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And because of her super powerful defeat over Macmillan, Eru was the one that they listened to the most. And that's <laughs> how her name sort of lived on as the name given to the land. So that's how her name became the name for Ireland. It's actually really nice that they like conquered the land, but still allowed Eru. But still to... had like the respect. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that, especially like back in the old days, way back when there was so much more respect given to women, and like women yeah. were treated so much more fairly than like you know. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, guys. like pre-Christian, pre-Christian, right? 
Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> but um, interestingly, though, Fola and Banba's names are actually also sometimes used to refer to Ireland, um, oh. but like not not in any official capacity. It's more like in poetry and prose and stuff. Mm. But if you mm. didn't know this story, you wouldn't be able to tell. You'd be like, where are they talking about here? Mm-hmm. So that's basically the origin story of Eru and like why we named Ireland after her because she's a badass. What do you guys think of that? Do you like do you like the story? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think that I mean, I personally am really interested in sovereignty deities and mm-hmm. gods that represent entire countries and gods that um and stories that tell the founding of a country. I think they're really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that like this legend about like the original um inhabitants of the island and like the different waves in which they existed it's just a really interesting story like i don't know i just think it's cool i find this stuff really interesting yeah (laughs) yeah i thought the story was like really fun like first of all i think it's fun how arrow and her sisters were like they're warriors and they're witches and they're like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just a lot going on and it's really fun they're a little bit of everything um, yeah Yeah. that's really that's really great and i also (laughs) thought it was like I, i feel like Oh, it seems to me that a lot of Irish mythology is about like power struggles between different groups. True. So I think it's really beautiful that like they honored Eru and her sisters. They didn't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah, so that's true. quite nice. It's also interesting that like the gods were defeated and sent back to their own world. I think that's mm. you know an interesting. Um, yeah, you don't see that very much. Legend like they. That's why I think it's you know it's sort of like an explanation of where they are now and that they're like exist but not in the same plane as us and they only they come out very rarely or you sort of have to choose to interact with them or accidentally stumble into interact with them but i mean the idea that you know this group of people can defeat the gods is interesting because you know we're so used to seeing gods as being like incredibly powerful like normal seeing gods like be able to be defeated i think it's interesting considering like the history of like conquest and like battle uh in ireland like thinking about like even before like colonization like the vikings and stuff like Mm. and how i don't know i think that when a culture has like gods who are able to be defeated it shows like a level of uncertainty about Mm. like things about the future of the people yeah and so but also in the end it's sort of like they didn't die it's not like they died they were driven underground, so they're still there. And, like, maybe they'll, like, they're still in existence. Maybe they'll come back one day. I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe they're going like, to pop their heads up again to say hi. Yeah. <laughs> they'll take back the land. Uh, maybe they'll, or maybe, like, I mean, they're, they're still in existence, just not just sort of underground in a different plane. Like, they're still mm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, they weren't killed. And, like, it shows that gods can be fallible, which is an interesting, like, societal view. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, like, as you were, well, I think, as Kathy was saying to me earlier, like, it's kind of sad that there's, like, very few sources, because it was all, like, I don't know, destroyed or, like, lost their yeah. time. There was, there must have been, like, so many, like, interesting Celtic mythology stories yeah. that, like, we just yeah. don't have now. Yeah, I mean, Irish was always, like, it always followed the oral tradition, so you would kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, there was very few things written down up until um, post-Christianity when the monks, Mm. you know, came with their education and whatever. 
um, I say that like education's a bad thing. Obviously, education is great, but um, but like different different education, like different education. Preserving these stories, exactly. Like the stories would have just been told by one of the bards gathered around the fire at night, you know, or like mm-hmm. in and the some of them hush. also like sort of adapted themselves into exactly like they type. yeah like mm-hmm. like the story of Bridget becoming Saint Bridget exactly. Yeah. I don't know if anything similar like that happened to Eru, but I think she was already banished to the other world by the time Fair. the Christians came around. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, but she still is quite present in the in the modern day in Ireland. Um, more so as like a, a symbol than an actual story. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, she's sort of now the idea of Ireland personified. She represents us a lot. Um, in Yeah, she features very heavily in the arts. Um, especially when the Irish independent movement first came to fruition with Daniel O'Donnell's pro-Catholic anti-union activism. Um, I could dive into the whole history of that because like, I'm a big history nerd, but I'll spare you that grief. Basically, it was <laughs> when... interesting, but sure. Yeah. It was when the native Irish Catholics who were like very nationalistic first started saying like, hang on, we want our country back. Mm-hmm. Not that we ever didn't say we want our country back, but we were a little bit more passive in it at that time. Mm-hmm. But um, Eru became a very popular figure used by the Irish rebels because she kind of personified and gave shape to a particular kind of Ireland that was so mm-hmm. unlike what people were used to seeing at the time. Like it was throwing it back to a country of like brave warriors and mystical beings with magical powers and like, the idea of abundance and a thriving people. It was... And like she before was almost, it was conquered by others as well. Exactly, right? exactly. It was almost like she was used as a propaganda tool. Yeah. And, you know, if you're yeah. looking at it in kind of like a cynical way, but it was more like a, I don't know, a call to arms of like, we want this kind of Ireland back. <laughs> Make Ireland great again. <laughs> we talked yeah. a little bit about how like, like goddesses have been used as propaganda tools yeah like, it yeah. can definitely happen it could be it could definitely be like a negative thing like yeah. um causing the displacement of other ethnic groups like we were talking about with um Shiwa Mu. but also yeah. i love yeah. like this kind of sounds like very like the good side of nationalism of being like yeah of, of being like um we want our country back from exactly. like, colonizers and yeah, not together. even not even necessarily like we want our country back but we want our country to be as good as it was yeah. Because, like, at the time, people were, like, under the oppression of the British, barely getting by, living off potatoes and milk 365 days a year. Like, that's just, mm. that's not just a stereotype. That's literally, people ate that I mean, every day. I was telling me about that. People ate yeah, potatoes and, like, cabbage I mean, and whatever. to be fair, potatoes, cabbage, and milk provide you all the nutrients that you need in your daily life <laughs> to survive not thriving, but surviving. <laughs> I will defend our diet until my dying day. I love potatoes. Okay. Great. Right. That's a bit of a stereotype. <laughs> I mean, potatoes are great. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I find sovereignty deities so interesting is because of how they're basically become symbols of nationalist movements. Mm-hmm. And like... For better or worse. Yeah, for better or worse, like, um, as I've talked about before, with, like, I mean, creating a figure, or not even, like, creating a figure, but using folklore and mythology from a country as um, 
a call to, for the creation of a country and the unit like the independence of a country and a culture is just so common throughout the world and especially throughout like Europe and it's just very interesting to me about how like these stories which are you know passed down um from people and you know most people at first glance would think oh it's just a story but in fact they have that much power to mm. show people that they have an identity and that there is like a shared like experience of being a you know, in this case, being Irish and being Irish mm-hmm. Catholic and like yeah. um, something to rally behind, which is it's really interesting to me um, whether the thing that they're ra- like the in general, the thing that's being rallied behind with the symbol of the person from folklore is a good thing or a bad thing or mm-hmm. like something that I really don't know enough about to say whether I think is a good or a bad thing. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting to me. Um, I think that, like, folklores and mythology are all, like, really powerful forces. Very true. It's interesting that you bring that up, because I actually, when I was doing, like, my little bit of research, I found this really beautiful uh, poem by a guy called Thomas Davis. He was Mm -hmm. a nationalist around the same time as Daniel O'Donnell, so sort of uh, early to mid-1800s, I think it was. Um, Mm -hmm. But he... Yeah, he differed a little bit in his policies. He was kind of um, pro-Catholics and Protestants mixing in terms of education, whereas Daniel O'Donnell was very like, no, the Catholics need to learn Catholicism. Um, Mm -hmm. Davis was a bit more sort of non-denominational, shall we say. Still Christian, but you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, so he wrote this really beautiful poem. It's quite long, so I'll just read like a little extract of it, Mm -hmm. if I may, because I think it really sums up what you were saying about... Yeah. Um, I think it really sums up what you were saying about like the person becoming like a a rallying force that people can kind of come with and follow. Um but yeah, the last the poem is called Um The West Asleep. And oh. it's sort of Have you heard it? Um so, so uh, it's quoted in the song Let England Shake by PJ Harvey off of her album oh. of the same title. It's the first I love line it. of the album. It's a really good album. You should listen to it. Um, Wait, is PJ Harvey Irish? She's English, but it's about basically the whole album is like critiquing English imperialism with a focus on World oh, War One. Fair, but snaps, snaps, my gal. <laughs> it's a really good album. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay. It anyways, sounds awesome. Anyways. I would love to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yes. So the original poem, not the PJ Harvey version. Um, <laughs> It's basically, yeah, critiquing the English and sort of saying like, oh, Ireland is doing so poorly and poor us and this isn't great and, you know, what are we doing? Um, But the last stanza, I think you call it a poem, right? Yeah. No, yeah, Mm -hmm. stanza is, and if when all a vigil keep, the West asleep, the West asleep, alas and well may Aaron weep, that Connacht lies in slumber deep, but hark, some voice like thunder spake, the West's awake, the West's awake. Sing, oh, hurrah, let England quake. We'll watch till death for Aaron's sake. Oh, so it's a really, really nice, nice, I know, it's a really nice, it's almost like a a battle cry or something. Like, we're doing yeah. it for Aaron, we're doing it for her. We want to, we want to, mm-hmm. you know, make her proud of us and stuff and stop her from weeping. That's yeah. really, really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I love it. It's, it kind of reminds me, weirdly enough, of all like the kind of Irish 
pub songs and sports songs and stuff of like yeah. we may be shit but you'll never keep us down for long <laughs> yeah <that's awesome. laughs> you'll come back i'm sorry am i allowed to swear like on the pod irish mentality like, i know yeah <laughs> we suck but we're coming back that's awesome <laughs> yeah i mean we know that we're weaklings shall we say I mean, the like Irish style, from what you told me, like Irish solidarity is like real. Like whenever you meet an Irish person, you're like, yeah, even though you meet Irish people all the time. I know, right? I, I don't, just, I don't feel I like just started adopting them American. into my friend group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so funny. I came home from the pub one time to Lizzie and I was like, oh yeah, I met this Irish guy. She was like, did you know him? I was like, no, but I do now. <laughs> we've a we've a third cousin twice removed in common on our grandmother's uncle's sister's side, you know. <laughs> We just all band yeah. together. It's great. That's really nice. And it's like, it's, it's very beautiful that like people are honoring Eru by being like, yeah, we're taking Ireland back. And like, right. Mm-hmm. Like just calling to her being like, Eru, like, I don't know. Yeah. We're going to do it for like, her. She's both this like fierce warrior queen who like stood firm against the invaders, but also like that was sort of how she was originally portrayed. And then, Later on through history, she became more of like a maternal figure who was, yeah. you know, supporting and nurturing the Irish people. And, That's you know, really kind beautiful. of. I know, it's lovely. And it shows you women can have it all. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like they're not even necessarily like at odds with each other, like her being a warrior and her being right? like the mother of all Irish people. They actually, I feel like they go quite well together. Like she fought for her people and then she like continues to fight for the Irish people. Right? You know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, some people consider it kind of controversial that she became so, um, like, feminine. They think it's, like, a bad thing because she's all, like, emotional. Like, all the talk of her weeping and all that. It's like, no, she's meant to be this fierce woman. I'm like, come on, people can weep if they're sad. She can be many things. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah, weeping isn't a bad thing. Weeping can be, like, very powerful. Especially talking about Ireland, like, the Mm. whole history of keening, like, of mourning and how crying can be, like, a healing cathartic exactly. force mm-hmm. it, and I have never seen anything as powerful as an Irish funeral mm-hmm. we know how to do funerals right oh I bet <laughs> <laughs> just wait till one of my family members dies Lizzie I'll bring you with me fun <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I mean it is really interesting that so many people nitpick on different aspects of Eru's sort of legacy um you know, I when you combine the imagery of the loving, caring mother figure with the kind of fierce and resilient warrior, it sort of, it personifies what a country should be, that like it can care for and nurture its people and its land and provide for itself, but also like fight off and drive away the enemies, in this case, the British. Mm-hmm. But, um <laughs> Not me being yeah. like controversial I mean, on the pod. It's a St. Patrick's Day episode. It's totally fine. Yeah. True, but I mean, St. Patrick was British. Not many people know that. Mm. He. Did I know that? I thought he was that? Roman. No, 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 no. He was Welsh. Basically, a bunch oh, of wasn't Irish. Wasn't he like brought as a slave? Yes. yes, a bunch of Irish pirates sailed over to Wales. Snatched him off off the beach. I don't. Even, I can't remember what his original Welsh name was, but it was something not Patrick. Something Welsh. Um, something super Welsh. And they brought him <laughs> over to Ireland and sold him as a slave. And he basically 
was a shepherd for this one farmer who I think wasn't terribly mean to him, but wasn't terribly good to him either. He sort of just sent him out with the sheep all day and all night and was like, you're just looking after them. And while Patrick was out looking after the sheep, that's where he came he came across the um, shamrock with the three leaves on mm. it. Yeah. And used that as a way... No, hang on. I'm getting mixed up. First, I think there was some kind of burning bush. Not like the burning bush in oh. the Bible. A different burning bush. At Basically, some point, there God... were no snakes. There were no snakes. <laughs> that was after. <laughs> but no, God appeared oh. to him in some way and was like you know, bring Christianity to Ireland and share it with these pagan people. I wish all the oh. listeners could see me waving my arms around so much because I feel like it adds <laughs> so much more to the story. But anyway, yeah, so God appeared to him and was like, bring Christianity to these people. And he was like, cool, how do I do that? And then he found the shamrock, which to him sort of put into context the idea of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three mm-hmm. of them as separate entities working as a whole. And he brought this to the High King of Ireland and he explained it to him on the Hill of Tara. And then the High King was like, right, we're all Christians now. And then he got rid of the snakes. And now there are no snakes in Ireland except in the zoo. I don't know where the snakes (laughs) comes in, actually. I think it was more like, kind of like Jesus performing a miracle. The High King was like, okay, but really, like, what can you do? And he was like, snakes. I honestly thought that's what St. Patrick's Day was about, the snake thing. So I was very No, (laughs) not at all. No. It's his it's feast kind of, day, right? Yeah, it's a feast of him and it's sort of a celebration of like, yeah, he brought us this lovely thing called Christianity, which was great for a while until the Catholic Church sort of usurped it and made it <laughs> not so good. But I won't get too political on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Eru's sort of like maternalification and like the loss of her warrior side, if it had mm. anything to do with like the coming of Christianity where like women were meant to Quite be. Quite possibly. Yeah. More nurturing, you know, mm-hmm. more just Definitely, like mothers yeah. and wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that played a big part in it. I mean, I couldn't find any like concrete sources on it because academia and religion in Ireland are very intertwined. But mm-hmm. um, Fair. It, mm-hmm. yeah, 100% could see that being the reason. She was sort of downgraded to this like, oh, little mammy figure who's just looking after mm-hmm. everyone and being really lovely. When in fact she mm-hmm. was this badass bitch who defended her country to, like as long as she could until until she was standing on top of Ishnuk, which is her favorite mountain that she chose and being ah, like you where, better name this land that? after me um jesus i don't remember now i can look it up real quick i feel like it's in Kerry. i don't know why Kerry is coming to mind probably I don't know why i asked i don't know i don't know the places in ireland well, <laughs> except county dublin yeah, you know now that Dublin is a county. I've been telling her. Yeah, for... I, I asked. I asked Kathy what county Dublin was in, and she made fun of me. That's the story behind that. What county is Dublin in? Dublin. It's in County Dublin. I mean, how would I know there's that? There's like Dublin City, and then Dublin County. So fair, we'll accept your stumble. Um, <laughs> I think it's like I think it's like Philadelphia and the Philadelphia metropolitan area. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to. I know counties are bigger. I, I feel like in the U.S. I don't know. What do I know? Yeah, probably. I don't even know what even talking about. Oh, I, I also like... feel like with the coming of Christianity, it changed the aspects of like the figures were like just less multifaceted in terms of like they could be many things, but now it's like they're either good or they're like bad mm-hmm. or they're like so true. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of speculating here, but... No, that's... I would definitely agree with that. They became way more binary, for lack of a better word. I think it possibly has to do with the fact that the old pagan gods were always connected with some form of nature. Like mm-hmm. the um, the husbands that the three sisters were married off to. Mach Grena was to do with the sun. One of the other ones, I think, was to do with the forest. And then another one was like horses or something like that. Um, oh. So it was all like tied into the natural world because obviously the pagans were very into the natural world and worshipping mm-hmm. um, the world around them. Um, but, you know, the natural world can be great. Like the sun brings the crops and lets the food grow and stuff, but it can also cause drought. And, you know, mm. the rains make the grass grow, but it also causes floods. So I think mm. that probably ties in with the sort of multifaceted element that you were talking about, Lizzie. Whereas with yeah. more um, modern gods, like in Christianity, for example, it was more just like this all-powerful, all-seeing, all-doing being, but we just have to love him unconditionally. Mm. You know, it's very different. Yeah, whereas I feel like with, like, the pre-Christian multi, like, many deities, like, they can yeah. be good and bad, and you can revere them, and you can fear them, and yeah. think well of them, and think poorly of them, and it's just, like, everything. Exactly. There's, like, a lot of complexity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's super interesting. It is. Yeah. I think the main element of the pre-Christian religion was more you had to respect them. Like, it didn't matter mm-hmm. if you liked them or disliked them. Like, you could curse the sun or revere it or whatever, but you had to respect that it was powerful. And therefore, the god mm-hmm. associated with the sun had to have your respect as well. And that's why mm-hmm. they did, like, offerings and stuff to show, like, we're giving you something as well. Mm-hmm. That's about all I had to say. Okay. For once, oh, for once I'm time. out of words. Wow. No, that's, well, that's nice. That was this has been super fun. Um, I have never been to Ireland, but I love Ireland and I love Irish history <laughs> and Irish mythology, and so this is very fun for me. Um, Good, yeah. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I've also never been to Ireland, but I definitely plan on Kathy taking me at some point. <laughs> I want Kathy to Hell take yeah. me to Ireland. I know group trip. You should all, everyone, all the Mythal Ladies gang should come to Ireland. We'll <laughs> yeah. organize a meetup. We It'll should. be great. We really Little should. Little tour of the mythological sites. Totally. Yes, we should. Yeah. Oh There's gosh. so many of yes. them. You can literally stop at any, the side of the road anywhere. You'll find like a fairy <laughs> ring or something. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh, so I cool. I love that so much. But, but yeah, Lizzie, no. you have to drive. Okay, I can't drive on the, the left, but sure. I can't drive on the anything. I don't have a license. Wait, I mean, okay. Is Ireland on the left side? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Maybe your dad. It's fine. Drive. It's the same but opposite. Actually, my dad would love to give a tour of Ireland. And just I like, bet he would. Yeah. He would just talk and talk for days on end. Like if you think mm. I talk a lot, he like he's where I learned it from. So he's the OG. Right. So yeah. we'll go to yeah. Ireland. <laughs> Kathy's dad will give us a tour. Sounds good. Shout out, Charlotte. Awesome. Shout yeah. out. Well, Kathy, where can we find you? Are you working on any other projects right now? I am. So my personal social media is not super interesting at all. Don't bother following me there. I post my face and that's about it. Um, but I'm also working with this really cool organization called EUNU. 
we are a team of young people all around Europe, uh, sort of college age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. And we essentially are working towards um, demystifying the concept of the EU, sort of breaking down the barriers to understand better what they actually do, who they are, uh, who we are, I should say, because we're all EU. Um, and sort of, yeah, just inform people more about this um, political organization that does so much for us. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at EU and you oh no we'll, we'll put it in link in the underscore at, yeah it'll be in the it'll be in the link in bio blah 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 <laughs> yeah i follow um, them and they're you, very educational i learn a lot from following them yeah. yeah i personally do a segment every week called the weekly roundup where we sort of recap the the news that's been going on the, uh, during the week both mainly focused on the eu but also a little bit from around the world but we also do like little history snippets and cultural snippets we do like a gastronomy tour of different dishes from different countries um there's a series on uh what the eu does to tackle fast fashion problems so it's a which you appear super well-rounded real, talking about. i appear in a little real filmed in my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so it's a super interesting platform that you guys should check out if you want to know more about the eu in general and yeah have a look Awesome. Yeah. And happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. And happy St. Patrick's, everybody. I got to teach you guys how to say it in Irish. Aaron Aaron Gabra or something like that. Aaron Gabra. Aaron Gabra. Aaron Gabra. Aaron Gabra. Long live Ireland. And (laughs) how you say happy St. Patrick's Day in Irish is La Ela Podrick. La Ela Podrick. La Ela Podrick. Lizzie, um, round out your vowels a little bit more. (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> so offended. linguist on again. linguist law <laughs> ala podrick law ala podrick that's better law. actually i think okay. it's law ala fodrick there's a h in there so don't get me started on irish phonology it makes even less sense it's than ridiculous. dutch phonology it really is <laughs> but yeah law ala fodrick guys exactly law ala fodrick <laughs> amazing Zoe good job thank you thank whatever Kathy <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank yeah. you so much for listening to this episode it was so fun to have another guest star on um if thank you, you guys for this- having me on yeah. yeah if you enjoyed this episode please s- subscribe leave a review tell all your friends and we'll see you in two weeks for another episode thank you bye thank you May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. <laughs>